Well, this is exciting. We're kicking off the fall with our uh, winter forecast, our weather expert, Charlie Lepresti, chief meteorologist at WGME 13. It's been a little while, Charlie. Last we, last we spoke was definitely full on. It was still technically winter, I think, if we go back that far. And um, we missed a lot of opportunity to do some fun forecasting with the shutdown last spring and and obviously there's a lot to catch up on but first i just want to say thanks for taking the time to check in with us and um yeah how's everything going on your end uh, things are going great we, we had a fantastic summer and uh like you were talking about the last time we had a chance to speak was when they told us we couldn't ski anymore uh, back in march and the skiing just started to get good back then too so um the snow finally came it took uh, most of the winter but uh yeah things are great now um you know we're in a good place if we're talking about a winter forecast and it's late october heading into november and we're in sort of the down months right now but um folks are kind of chomping at the bit to get out there and i, I feel the excitement uh, across all of ski nation at this point and we're looking forward to winter we had a winter flurry here this morning so couldn't help but get excited to see uh see that like that october snow it, there's something about it the the shorter days everything everything is pointing towards um a, a nice healthy ski season but yeah let's let's rewind to last spring and i think as we were forecasting and learning a little bit about the weather patterns last winter it seemed as if we were just waiting right that was the word i was going to use exactly um you know i kept we we were doing our our weekly podcasts and I kept on saying Andrew just wait you know just wait until January it's coming around wait until early February now it's coming around and it never did until March um, if you remember we were talking a lot about you know the the cold and the snow coming around the active storm track kicking back up again and if you were to take our winter forecasts our three-month period from December January and February and just isolate the two months that we actually got a decent snow and cold in March and April and overlaid them, it, it would have worked out perfectly. The problem is it came a month and a half too late and came a month and a half too late for a few reasons. I mean, it was, is you know, the, you'll want the forecast to work out correctly. And at the same time in March, that's when everybody pulled the plug and said, okay, you can't come out here anymore. So that was the frustrating part. I have, you know, just as we were trying to shift the shift our gears back into spring, you know, folks had hang, hung up the skis. Uh, it snowed a lot. I mean, it was snowing, it snowed a few inches on April 9th at my house last year, and um, and that was a little bit frustrating. But hopefully this year we can make up for it. And and even May, May seemed like a net, like break even for snow, like gain loss. I mean, it seemed like Mount Washington was just, yeah, it was the spring. I don't know if it was just the fact that we weren't able to go up there, but it seemed like the spring to, like if there's any spring to miss out, I think we missed out on, missed out on yeah. one. Exactly. And we were talking, I just kept on looking at the webcam from Wildcat all summer long. And you probably saw it too. You're up there every day almost. It's, you know, you're seeing Tuckerman Ravine and it's holding snow all the way. Gosh, it made it well through July. Um, when would the snow bridge collapse on that hiker? That was in July, wasn't it? I mean, that was snow hung around for a while this year. Yeah, that's right. As soon as they opened the, the Tuckerman Ravine Trail, it was that day I was out there hiking. And Hillary and I went up just to the top of the top of the ravine, hiked over down Lionhead Trail, and that happened later that day. And we were just pointing out that snow bridge. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, that was that was uh, it's amazing that that hiker survived. Um, 
yeah, I can't imagine all that snow falling, falling on you. But yeah, that's the bottom line is the, the, the snow stuck around for a while in the ravines. And, um, you know, probably because we just got the snow late in the season and it stayed cold. But as you know, uh, the summer turned around, right? It, it turned hot and it turned dry. Dry. And that is, yeah, that's going to play a role in our winter forecast too, I think. But, um, but yeah, it was, and that was actually well forecast because there are a few things that went into the summer forecast going into the summers. You know, we were, we were not in a defined El Nino or anything like that or La Nina uh, heading into the summer, uh, which is just the uh, ocean water temperature uh, down in the equatorial Pacific. But that usually has a, uh, 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 manipulates a jet stream and that can configure, you know, how our weather is going to be. It doesn't have a huge effect on our summer weather, but what does is the hurricane season. Since if we didn't have an El Nino, like we did, uh, did not this year, um, uh, you knew it was just going to be a big hurricane season just because of that and how warm the ocean water temperatures were. It, one of the analog years we had was 2005. Um, and that was, I mean, we just broke the record for the amount of named hurricanes, uh, and the old record was in 2005. So, um, so yeah, that was we knew it was going to be hot. We knew it was going to be dry, and we knew it was going to be a big hurricane season. So that that one worked out really, really well, um, and that may play a role going into the winter months. Because one thing I have found out, I've noticed a correlation between dry summers in early falls and warmer than normal winters. And I know initially that's that's what you do not want to hear as a skier or a snowboarder that this winter is going to be warm, but I feel pretty confident the winter is going to be warm or at least warmer than normal. And we'll have some shots of cold and we'll talk about that coming up in a little bit, but, um, but we can get some of our bigger snow years in warmer than normal winters. So I'm not too worried about that part of the forecast, but there's a, there's definitely a connection between dry falls. Um, and I, in fact, just looking at the driest September is the top 10 in Portland here. Um, I have in front of me, uh, 90% of them have, showcased a warmer than normal winter to follow huh i mean and that's interesting you're pointing out that just being in like a, a like middle of the road summer like you can you know it's going to be bad if you're not getting extreme fluctuation either way it's creating a, the hurricane tracks like a nice like the path you know i i guess i i didn't follow much of the hurricane track i just was up in the mountains it's super hot yeah. it's i've humid as classic summer in new england without any of these like sustained rain periods i mean i mowed my lawn three times this year it was crazy right yeah mine mine's still toast it's all dried up still but yeah and we're finally getting some rain but i mean every, as far if you spent any time in the white mountains you knew that it was one of those summers where you did not have to worry about river crossings um I did a nice backpacking trip with my daughter, and and for the first time I can remember, we ran out of water somewhere up in, you know, I think we were, we had to finally get it at at, at Gio Hut there, and um, we were waiting to get to the spring, and and the first time I remember being thirsty, I was like, oh, we'll find water, we'll find water, and you know, when you're up in the ridge, you can't find any. Anyway, I got off on a tangent, but yeah, there was there was no water. It was so dry. The rivers were low, and we're finally making up for that. And I guess I, I guess uh, yeah, we did have some of those major, some of the, uh, the hurricane storms came through, and we caught, we did catch some of that. I, I sort of forgot that, but like some of those yeah. hurricane, like we caught the winds that we lost power here. You know, in Jackson, they don't lose power very frequently, and yeah. we had tons of down trees and everything coming in late summer. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was Isa Eas. Yeah, that was um that was a a quick quick mover. We got our quick shot of wind and that was it with that. But um but yeah, that's that's definitely leads into some of the stuff we we have going into the winter months here. So the summer was warm, the summer was dry. There's no question about that. Um, and one of the the big teleconnections we're looking at, or one of the big variables we're looking at going into the winter is we have a defined week La Nina setting up, uh, which can really help us out forecasting because typically when that happens and you have warmer than normal water north of Hawaii and also in the North Pacific, um, that usually pumps a ridge that goes up to up to um, Alaska, British Columbia. Um, you can get a weak jet that comes down into the Pacific Northwest, but that usually uh, allows for a trough to develop with colder air that dips into the northern plains and into the Great Lakes and usually favors a pretty active storm track, at least through the northern half of the United States, and can give some, uh, some pretty solid above normal precipitation to most of the northern half of the United States. So that's one of the things I really look for is do we have a solid La Nina setting up? Um, do we have um, um, that, that warm pool in the North Pacific and that kind of thing? And th th that all seems to be coming together. So on paper, we should be looking at a winter that has above normal precipitation. And I looked at the last 40 years of uh, La Ninas, at least in Portland, and every single one of them had either normal or above normal precipitation. So 100% of the La Ninas um, that we had over the last 40 years had normal or above normal precipitation in uh, in the state of Maine. Um, I did not include New Hampshire in that, and I forecast in Maine and Portland. So um, so I use, I use that data. And of those winters, 90% uh, of them showed either normal or above normal precipitation, uh, snowfall. So... 100% above normal precipitation, 90% of those above normal precipitation had above normal snowfall. So um, so that's good news, I guess, <laughs> looking that's into really, the I mean, that's really good winter. news. You sent, you were kind enough to send a map of the yeah. snowfall versus like the, the weak or the strong La Nina years. And yep. the strong La Nina is where it looks like the West Coast gets hit. Yep. If you're looking at Washington, Oregon, um, who else is up there? Montana yep. uh, and then but like over here on the northeast for the the week years, Canada gets big snow big snow yeah and um, I don't know yeah it's it's nice to see like the there's that confidence that the above the above average snowfall year because um, that's that's you know something that we're gambling with we'll uh, I, we don't really give the farmer's almanac too much credit but uh <laughs> every i just feel like every year it's going to be a good winter and sometimes like last winter was just tough where it you know i think the i always preach that even on a bad winter the presidentials have excellent skiing and we we got into some of that last year but i mean wasn't like that to that winter 2016-17 and my short-term memory was really good yeah uh, all you needed are a few good storms. And yeah, like 2016, 2017 was one of those. And we can touch on that for a second because, um, you know, all I do is when I'm making these winter forecasts, I, I look at what has happened in the past and I assume that, okay, I run the stats, I run the percentages and okay, what's going to happen in the future. So, 
Um, so I'm looking at a lot of La Niña's. I'm looking at things like there's this thing called the Arctic Oscillation that's important. It's basically last year the Arctic Oscillation was in its uh, positive phase, which means that the cold air was bottled up in, near the North Pole. And we're seeing some evidence that in January this year that the uh, Arctic Oscillation may go negative, which allows for big dips in the jet stream, gives big temperature fluctuations. I think that this is one of those winters where we get big temperature fluctuations. It's not like one of those winters we had in 2014-15 uh, where the cold came and stayed. Um, the cold's going to come, I think, but it's going to come and go. So it's one of those winters where there will be big temp fluctuations. Um, looking at some of the snowfall data for the mountains, I, I chose two locations just because I have an accurate Actually, I wouldn't say accurate. I have a data set um, from two locations that I'm looking at for Sugarloaf Mountain and also um, Mount Washington Observatory. That seems to make the most sense. Um, I say somewhat accurate to Sugarloaf because we all know that our friend Jamie Walter was once the snow reporter up there, and I can razz him on that because he used to measure the snow. So we assume he was mo we assume he was mostly accurate. I mean, is that like the equivalent of the Wildcat foot? versus the sugarloaf foot i don't know <laughs> he was still i don't know i'm not going to get into it but i know that there was a there was a rivalry between them and saddleback when they were open and and um i let him tell the story and let him defend himself in his snowfall measurements but hey i'm looking at the last 20 years and i can at least guarantee that the snowfall measurements on mount washington were accurate in 2001 and 2002 because i was personally involved in measuring that snowfall up there uh, with the crew we had um, at the observatory but the reason i bring this up andrew <laughs> is um, i'm looking at 20 years of snowfall data and at both locations and these actually happen in separate years i took their five biggest snowfall years and four of the five biggest snowfall years occurred in la nina winters so I thought that was kind of interesting that in both locations that happened, you mentioned 2016, 2017, that was number one over the last 20 years for the observatory. And that wasn't a true La Nina, but it was a weak La Nina transitioning neutral, meaning that the water temperature was cooler than normal in the Equatorial Pacific, but it wasn't, as, it wasn't 0.5 degrees Celsius cold. It was like 0 0.3, 0 0.4 going to almost neutral by the end of the winter. Um, the second one was... Um, 2017, 2018, we had some big storms late in the season there. Um, the third I'm looking at right here was 2005, 2006, 331 inches. And then the fourth was 14, 15. That was the cold one. And then 13, 14 was, was the fifth one. And uh, Sugarloaf showed the same, the same numbers as far as four of the five biggest snow years occurred in La Nina winters or La Nina transitioning neutral. So um, that is something that is, uh, that is something I took into account. So yeah, as far as the, the snowfall goes, um, that's something I'm, I'm interested in. Um, I, I actually highlighted 10 La Nina winters and ran the stats off of them. And we can just go over those winters real quickly because we can go down memory lane for a minute. 2017, 2018 uh, is the most recent one. And uh, the thing that goes off in my head was, you know, we had a bunch of nor'easters in March that year. But more importantly, uh, New Year's Day of 2018 was the coldest we had in 15 years. We had a really extreme cold shot that year. Um, it was New Year's Day. It was about 30 below in my backyard. I'm sure it was colder in, Ma and, in Madison where, um, where uh, you were up in New Hampshire there. Um, 
2011, 2012, unfortunately, shows up as an analog year. Um, let's let's hopefully hopefully we don't go down that route. That was the year it snowed in October before Halloween, and then 2012 was um, was a very poor snow winter for us. 2010, 2011 is another year we had decent snow that year. 2008, 2009, I also remember a very cold snap that year on January 16th. It was the state record in Maine, went down to 50 below, but it came and went. That goes along with the Arctic Oscillation going negative that I, I think is going to happen this year in January. 2005, 2006, 2000, 2001, 1998, 1999. Um, this is a big one, Andrew. 1995, 1996. That was a big snow year. That was a huge snow year for all of New England. Um, I remember that one well because it was my senior year of high school and, um, and we didn't have school a lot <laughs> that year. And the final two are 1984, 1985, 1983, 1984. So those winters right there. I think I learned to ice skate those winters. Those are decent cold winters. So, um, so I took all those winters, put them into a database, and spit out our statistics. And from those statistics, this is what comes out of it. I'll find my little paper here. Um, we get into a quick start to winter in December. 90% were normal to above normal snow in the month of December. So 90% of those winters I highlighted were above normal or normal in December. Um, 20 years of precipitation data, uh, we're looking at 12 above normal in precipitation. Of those 12, 11 were above normal in snowfall, 91.66%. Uh, um, we talked about the La Nina winters in, in Maine, 100% of them were either normal, above normal, and precip, I think, which is important. 70% um, normal to above normal snowfall in March. That's important as skiers, because we're always looking for March snowfall. Um, so we actually have a decent shot of these La Nina winters coming out on the other side um, with uh, a decent end to winter uh, this upcoming year. So I'm going with that. And uh, dry September. So the last 20 years, 90% of them were warmer than normal. Uh, winters. So these are all clear things that came out of the data sets that, you know, we're going for a warmer than normal winter. So the bullet points go like this. Warmer than normal winter, above normal precipitation uh, in New England, uh, normal or slightly above normal snowfall uh, for New Hampshire, Maine, Massachusetts. Actually, not Massachusetts, northern New England. We're talking Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine. Uh, I think Massachusetts, there's a cutoff in this sort of setup here where um, things get a little different the farther south you go, especially down towards the mid-Atlantic mid states and into southern New England. Um, I like to have some fun with my winter forecast. So working at a news station, I, I'm going with an 80% chance of snow on the ground Christmas morning in Portland, um, which would be obviously higher as you go in the mountains. Uh, normally, we have, would have 53% chance. We're going above normal this year as far as snow on the ground Christmas morning, just because I think we're going to have a big December. Um, and then it will level off a bit in January. Um, I'm going for a January or late December cold snap with temperatures 10 to 30 degrees below zero. And that's that's a big deal for Southern Maine um, and even Southern New Hampshire. So we're going with the stats from 2009 and 2018, early January, where the Arctic Oscillation went negative. 80% of the Arctic Oscillation, 80% um, of the La Nina years that we highlighted um, had a negative Arctic Oscillation um, specifically for the month of January. So um, that means that 
we should see big temperature fluctuations. And if we were to see some por- sort of polar vortex, you know, break off and weaken and come, come down into um, North America, uh, or at least into the United States, uh, it would probably be early January. That's my best guess. Um, of those winters, 70% of them had a defined January thaw with temperatures of 50 degrees or warmer. So we're going above normal for potential for January thaw, which I guess is, is you know, that's kind of run-of-the-mill in New England. Everybody gets a January thaw. It's, it's pretty rare we don't. And this one is one you might not be thrilled about, but February will be the month that is warmest relative to normal. So um, th- there is some good news to that part because usually when you have a warmer than normal February, it comes around and winter's slow to leave in March um, and even April. Yeah, was that in the seventeen eighteen year when we had a really really hot February day? Yes, uh, I think that's what it, good. Yeah, good memory. Um, I was in the Gulf of Slides. I was in the Gulf of Slides skiing, and I couldn't believe how hot it was. Yeah, yeah, it was sixty degrees. It was February something. I remember that my my news director had me um, had me outside, and I didn't need a jacket. It was yeah, it was too warm, too warm that day. So I guess you you did answer a bunch of my questions, which was like, great, like the overall snowfall, but like, how are you going to break down mm-hmm. at, or, like the the winter into quarters and early winter, it sounds like with like a little bit of a, like definitely some cycling with warming and cooling and warming, cooling, but like pretty extreme. And if, if you're right, then it'll be setting us up for a nice March, April and a, and a good springtime. Is mm-hmm. there... What's the likelihood that November is going to be a snowy month here? I didn't factor much of my forecast for November, but um, I see there's plenty of cold air in Canada. As you see, it's coming in. It's co- it is going to be a wild ride the next seven days, Andrew. Um, looks like the warm air comes back by the end of next week, but um, I'll tell you, after this next bout of rain and snow comes Thursday night, Friday morning, uh, it gets cold for... Uh, for Halloween and then it warms up on Sunday and then the real cold stuff actually comes in very short-lived though from Monday into Tuesday you're gonna get upslope snow in the mountains uh, on Monday I think Um, pretty good signal of that where it's windy it's it's uh, it's colder and election day we're we're probably gonna stay in the 30s 30s all day long on election day this year so Uh, but it comes back as the warm uh, after that so um, as far as the extended forecast goes uh, you know, I haven't worked too much throughout the month of November. I've been trying to highlight December, January, February, and a little bit of March. But um, but there's plenty of cold air in Canada. We, we've seen all the records being broken out in the northern plains and out west with the snowfall and everything. Um, and that's going to reload at some point after this next warm-up. It just takes a few storms to, to get things um, in, I'm using quotes, skiable. I know you were up <laughs> there to see the snow the other weekend. I went up there yeah. not too long after. I went up there on the Sunday, early Sunday for sunrise. I think you're up, Were you up there? Did you sneak up there on a Saturday or um, Friday? I, I can't remember. No, I went up. I can't remember. It was the day that it stopped snowing. Um, we, we, we've been doing this for years. We, we just go up to Crawford Notch and just go up to Mount Willard or something. And that's just to get the kids all excited about snow. And we've been doing that most years for the last 10 years since we've had kids anyway. And, and, and it works out when it's on the weekend, so we can go check that out. But no, I can't remember what day that was. Was that Saturday or Sunday? I feel like it was, I, I feel like it was, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. 
it was great though it was the kids were out of their minds the dog went crazy we had, a, we had a great time it was like four inches of snow and it was already compacted by the end of the day though it was you know i don't think it ever got down to freezing it was probably in the upper 30s uh, all day but it was exciting it was enough to wet the whistle and get you know get the kids and my wife and and myself get excited about winter I I'm full fully support that if you can get out and get the you know, it's exciting the first snowfall and and I feel like this little flurry we had here today was um, definitely gets you thinking winter now I know you got to go you got to get back to work but I didn't I didn't ask you with this dry summer how your how the giant pumpkins fared tell me a little <laughs> bit of tell me how the how that went I saw the photo obviously they did okay but. Um, let, let the listeners know about pumpkin growing season. There's kind of a funny story that goes along with the end game of that. But yeah, it's, I, um, for folks at home that, that don't know, I have a, this weird obsession with, with growing giant pumpkins. I've just a hobby I've had since I was a little kid. And um, this year was good. You know, we had, you know, as long as you control the water, uh, which I like, I prefer to control the water from irrigation. Um, it was a good year. So I like warm nights and it worked out well. Um, as far as the effort put in, I think we, we would, we'll, we'll do it again next year, but we, we ended up with a, our biggest one being 1628 pounds, I think, which surprised me. It was actually heavier than I thought it was going to be, but the goal is 2000 pounds, Andrew, and we'll, uh, hopefully get there next year. That's all. And, uh, I'm, going to get you into growing one of these days or maybe some of your listeners will be interested i'd be happy to share some seeds with them but at the way off this year we had a we had a growers only way off because of the the covid19 situation and um i had a, i was wearing my ski the whites t-shirt um under my jacket and i was and, and my photo ended up in a newspaper in down east maine and people were asking me what ski the whites was and i said I said yeah i go skiing in the white mountains too and i said no it's a friend of mine's this company up in up in Jackson, you got to check them out sometime. So your, uh, your ski, the whites made it into the newspapers. <laughs> Beautiful. I was great to see that on, on social media. So thank you for the unsolicited <laughs> plug there. Um, and the pumpkin looked massive. Uh, I don't know what right. the difference is between like a 1600 pound pumpkin and a, and a 2000 pound pumpkin. It's just numbers, yeah. that thing, uh, uh, a ton of respect for that and i have the seeds somewhere that you gave from the talk yeah. so i'm if you ever lose all your pumpkin seeds i'm your seed bank they're somewhere here all right we'll, we'll get you growing next year andrew yeah they're, they're a lot of fun they're fun to grow almost as fun as skiing almost almost no i'm in i'm <laughs> i have a green thumb i could get i could get like a couple pounds out of it from a something in the yard here so um yeah. well great awesome to catch up it's October, things kicking into gear, hopefully this next month, and we'll try to do these regularly. The weather gambling is it's a fun game. I mean, I think we're all um, we're all excited to see what happens and when you when you stack up the data, it's in our favor. So at the very least, it's like um, the odds are the odds are strong for a good winner. I think so. On paper, we're in good shape. Um, one thing I did not talk really anything about is the forecast modeling data is very poor right now for us for to, to get a big winter. Um, but I, I, I'm not putting really much stock at all into the forecast modeling at this point, simply because it was very poor last year anyway, as we know, um, you know, the, the forecast just didn't come around the way it, it was expected to anyway. So my hope is that, you know, computers are a little bit out to lunch with this one. And my view on these things, if it's happened in the past, it probably is going to happen again. And a bunch of things have to come together. And my hope is it will this winter. And, um, 
you know, we all get a chance to get out and ski and it'll be a different world um, skiing at the resorts and in the backcountry this year with uh, the, all these different rules in place. So we'll see how that goes down. It'll be a learning process for everyone, I think. Cool. Well, yeah, we'll check back in again. Thank you for your time and yeah, fingers crossed for um, an early winter. Yeah, thanks. And thanks for having me. 